What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Stripe Hype Podcast. I am your host and managing editor of Stripe Hype, Travis Steffen. And again today, we have Jack Lane joining us, this time to talk about the defensive side of the ball. What are our expectations for this defense that had some success last year, but also had a lot of struggles, still needed to fill in some holes, and they did a lot of that this offseason. We're going to talk about all of that and more. So let's get right down into it with Jack. All right, guys, I got Jack back with me again today, and today we're going to be talking about the defensive side of the ball, and something I wanted to bring up with you, I, I published an article about this on Friday, and Bleacher Report went around the league and graded each team's offseason moves, whether it free agency, whether it the draft, everything combined. They gave the Bengals a C, and this frustrated me. It, it really frustrated me because... You know, the Bengals didn't go out there and get all of these these big, sexy playmaker positions or top names, but they filled a lot of holes and with significant upgrades this offseason. You know, we talked about Glenn and Price on the offensive side, and there's even parts on the defense that they've brought in that are going to be, if not, you know, rotational guys, pure starters. So I honestly I think that you know this C grade is just an absolute spit in the face. How do you, how do you feel about a C grade? Yeah, I mean, I just don't see like how you can call this a league average offseason for us. I mean, last week we talked about the offense. You add Cordy Glenn, Billy Price, subtract Russell Bodine. Uh, you add Mark Walton in the draft too. So you already have an upgrade there. We didn't lose anything else significant on the offensive side of the ball. You look at the defensive side of the ball, we basically addressed every need we had. You look at the defensive line. Okay, we need somebody to take over for Michael Johnson, add a little bit more of a pass rush. Boom, Sam Hubbard, third round. We added him. Uh, Vontez Burfecht is looking a little bit erratic. He's going to have a four-game suspension. Sign Preston Brown in the offseason draft. Malik Jefferson in the third round. Um Cornerbacks look great. Maybe we could add a little bit of depth in the secondary, especially somebody who's a free safety. Let George Iloka move back to strong safety. Boom. Jesse Bates, second round of the draft. And we're really not losing anybody at all. I mean, Pac-Man Jones cut in the offseason, but his play had clearly fallen off. I just... This team is significantly better than it was last year. I mean, you look at the defense. This defense is... We have depth at basically every position now. I, I don't see how that's league average. Right. They they addressed all three groups of the defense. You know, you, you brought in defensive linemen with Chris Baker, or however you feel about him, with mm-hmm. Sam Hubbard. You brought in linebackers like Preston Brown, Malik Jefferson. You brought in secondary help with Jesse Bates. I, I you know, even even the fifth round picks, Devontae Harris and Darius Phillips. You know, there's yeah, there's plenty more talent, and a lot of these guys are going to be on special teams as well. That's you know, true. You got guys like Jesse Bates, Darius Phillips, and Mark Walton all have experience in the return game, and all were pretty good at it. And so I I think that giving them a C grade is just absolutely mind boggling to me. You know. In in the 2016 or 2017 offseason, they focused on bringing in playmakers, and then this year it was all about filling those positional roles. And a lot of these guys are gonna play, you know, right off the bat. It won't be your traditional like three down linebacker. 
but you know Preston Brown might have some three down linebacker in him. Uh, I still think his coverage is a little risky for me, but that's but I mean, exactly why you got Malik Jefferson. Mm-hmm. is to cover and to have everything in front of him. And so you got guys like Malik Jefferson that are going to stand in those roles. You got guys like Jesse Bates that is going to allow you to run more three safety sets, which most teams are starting to switch to. You got New England, you got Philadelphia, you got Kansas City. All three of those teams have been running three safety sets for the last couple of years and have had tremendous success. And so when you can do that, you know, Malik Jefferson has time to develop because when you, when you bring that extra safety down inside the box, that's your guy that's going to be your coverage linebacker or your help against the run game. You know, a little, you know, mix of all trades. So I, I don't understand the secret. I, I don't think by any means it should be like an A. You didn't get like a top 10 mm-hmm. pick to either side of the ball. But I would honestly at least expect like a B minus. B. Yeah. I, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, especially with what you mentioned with Jefferson, with Bates. Um, I think Hubbard's going to be a great situational pass rusher. All these guys feel specific, immediate need roles. And some of the additions we didn't even talk about, you don't even have to look at just um, players on the field. You look at the coaches we brought in this offseason. Say what you will about Marvin Lewis. We brought him back. We've made the playoffs with him and Dalton in five of seven years, but the defensive coordinator, we bring in Terrell Austin from the Lions. I wrote a little bit about Austin, I think he's going to be amazing for this defense. I was a little bit skeptical about Gunther's effect on this defense. Now he's gone. We bring in Austin. Austin's going to implement that three safety set. And we have three guys who can really uh, man that three safety set. Um, he's going to do a lot of dynamic things with the pass rush. We have and we have a lot of guys that we can use in that situation. Uh, Dunlap, Hubbard, Carl Lawson. So I think that's going to be a really big impact on this team too is just bringing in a new fresh defensive mind in Terrell Austin and that should go into our grade I very frustrating very frustrating to see I don't see it I I completely agree and I think that when you look at this defense you know Marvin Lewis uh talked about at the league meetings back in March and you know this defense has looked the same for 10 plus years it needs some kind of mix-up and, you know, what was thought to be that Terrell Austin was going to come in here and basically just slight tweaks to the defense. Marvin Lewis talked about how there's a lot of changes going on and a lot of different schemes and looks that are going on. And I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, I still think you're going to have your 4-3 base set. But I wouldn't be surprised if you have some, you know, 3-4 or 2-4. You know, have two down linemen, kick Dunlap inside with Geno Atkins and have, you know, you could have Lawson and Hubbard on the outside. And Jordan Willis. I forgot I forgot about Jordan Willis. Mm-hmm. The forgotten draftee of last year. Yes, I think that I think that Willis will be a rotational guy. I think that I think Sam Hubbard, honestly, I like him better for his um, run defense. Um, I need to see a little bit more for him to step in the pass game, but Either way, I, I wrote up an article, I think it was about a week ago, and it was it was basically talking about whether the Bengals were trying to replicate what the Eagles did last season. The Eagles had tremendous depth at the pass rushing positions and defensive tackles positions. 
I mean, it was absolutely insane. And and what I loved about it so much is in the Super Bowl, what the New England Patriots like to do is they like to, you know, run a lot of no huddle stuff early in the game, get a ton of snaps out of the defense, wear you down, and then they kill you in the fourth quarter. They couldn't do that against Philadelphia because they constantly were rotating each other out each drive. So in that last drive, when Tom Brady had to work his magic to try and come back, he gets strip sacked and that ends up winning the game for Philadelphia with a backup quarterback, by the way. And so I think that you look at some of these guys that we have along the defensive front, you know, you still got Michael Johnson. I know a lot of people are still down on him, but He's still at least an average defensive end. You got Sam Hubbard coming in. You got Jordan Willis, the forgotten guy who I think was very raw coming in last year, and um, but is very good against the run. Uh, you got Carl Lawson, who will still be a edge rusher on um, nickel and dime packages, where it was, which is where they're going to spend most of their time. In the base set, he'll just be a outside linebacker rushing from a different standpoint. You know, getting a better angle on the run game. You know, you still got Dunlap, Atkins. Um, I don't, I don't really know what to expect of Baker, but I do like this new draft pick, Andrew Brown, a defensive tackle. Oh yeah. All these guys, and it, it, it really does. It makes me wonder if they're going to try and replicate what the Eagles did last year. I think that's an excellent point. I mean, the way the league is transitioning now, with the importance of quarterback, with the importance of left tackle. You need edge rushers to combat that. And having Carlos Dunlap, having Carl Lawson's great, but if you can maximize your depth at that position, be able to rotate those guys out, keep everybody fresh, you're going to maximize their effectiveness and really uh, impact the opposing team. They're, I mean, you mentioned New England and obviously how the, the Philadelphia edge rush uh, won them the game uh, last season. But so I, I think you're right. I think this is actually mimicking that kind of um, incredible depth that uh, Philadelphia has. And I think um, looking at the inside pass rushers we have uh, with Geno Atkins and um, knockoff Geno Atkins and um, Andrew Brown, I really like what Terrell Austin has at his fingertips here. And I think he's going to be able to do something really excellent. I agree. I think that when you look at, you know, he he's talked about wanting to bring a more aggressive to the front seven. And I think that can only do good things for the secondary. You're not asking your secondary to cover for five, 10 seconds. You know, a guy can only stay with another guy for so long when he doesn't know the route. So, um, but, but you look at the secondary as well. And I think that, you know, William Jackson is coming off a great year. Um, Denard, gets a little forgotten with William Jackson's year, but he had a pretty good year last year. Um, I know a lot of people have already, you know, I've, I've gotten yelled at actually quite a bit for thinking Drake Kirkpatrick is going to have a better year this year. Um, but I think that Kirkpatrick and John Ross are kind of similar in a way. And even William Jackson, the third, um, you know, when the Bengals drafted Jackson, a lot of people were ticked. You know, they, they didn't understand bringing in another cornerback. They were not happy about it. And then he gets hurt, and it blows up again. So then he comes in this year, and now everybody is 
absolutely in love with him. Well, honestly, I think John Ross can do the same thing. But when it comes to Kirkpatrick, you look at... He had his best season in 2016. Great year. And I think that, you know, he came in with a hand injury, broken hand, into training camp. Didn't think anything of it until he woke up and it was completely swollen. He hit it on his counter or something, you know, something stupid. But he didn't get those reps in training camp or preseason. And so he came into the regular season out of shape, which led to injuries. He had a hamstring injury, a hip injury, a shoulder injury all of which kept him from the peak of his game. Kept him from keeping up with receivers deep down the field, forcing him to be a little too handsy. He's coming in this year with a lot to prove. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And he's coming in fully healthy. But I don't understand the wanting to completely cut him and he's absolutely garbage and and all this stuff that fans are telling me when he just had a great year the season before, he was just riddled with injuries last year. Yeah, I think I think the Kirkpatrick take is exactly right. I mean, this is a guy who was one of the biggest draft capital draft capital investments the Bengals have made in cornerback in a long time. And he was a little bit slow to develop, but you could definitely see him making the strides. And then two years ago, he kind of breaks out. And the Bengals obviously inked him to a huge deal. And a lot of my frustrations, at least with Kirkpatrick, and I think a lot of the fans' frustrations were we paid Kirkpatrick and we did not pay Whitworth. And then you saw how uh, impactful losing Whitworth was on this offensive line. But at the same time, Kirkpatrick is a really solid corner. And exactly, if he has a full offseason, he's fully healthy coming into the year, he can get back to where he was, absolutely. And working opposite William Jackson III, that's a really powerful two-cornerback set. And you toss in Darquez Denard, you're talking about one of the best cornerback cores in the league. Absolutely. And, you know, I like what you said about Whitworth. That that definitely plays into it. Um, Honestly, I think they could have kept Whitworth if they really wanted to, but... Well, you don't have to talk about Right, exactly. We're not going to go into that. It's a sore. The thing with Kirkpatrick is that... You know, you mentioned how we saw what the offensive line was was like without Whitworth. We saw what it was like without Kirkpatrick, even when he was playing poorly last mm-hmm. season. You know, there was two games. I think it was third week fourteen and fifteen, and yeah, against, right. against the Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. And both of those games, not only did the offense only put up at seven points per game, but in those two games without Kirkpatrick. Those were the only two games last year that the defense allowed more than 30 points. They got absolutely toasted without Adam Jones and Kirkpatrick on the field. So we saw what that was like. And then we saw him come back in the game against the Lions and against the Ravens and have great games. In fact, in the Ravens game, you know, I was reading one of the articles uh, by Pro Football Focus that they do after each game, and he was graded as the fifth best player on the team against the Ravens. He had the, the strip that pretty much sealed the win against the lions, that deep throw on like third and 28 or something like that against the lions with four minutes left. He strips it out of the receiver's hands and the Bengals get the ball back, seal the game. So 
I think Kirkpatrick's going to have a great year this year. I think that he's going to definitely get his opportunities because a lot of quarterbacks are going to start to go away from William Jackson and Darquise Denard. But I think that, you know, you also have the safeties who were playing down last year. The whole the whole secondary outside of Jackson and Denard had a down year. You know, both our safeties had very blah years really yeah that's a, um, that's a fair way to put it and, and then you you had your uh backup safety starting to come in later in the year and honestly i think a lot of it was miscommunication you know i, I mentioned that lions game and there was um kirkpatrick's last pass interference was in that game and it was a deep ball it was for like 30 yards 30 35 yards and before the play Kirkpatrick is trying to voice over to his safety that, you know, what is, you know, that he knows he's going down the field and that the safety's job is to be that second level help. Completely oblivious. Didn't even look at Kirkpatrick. He gets burned. I wouldn't say he got burned. He was right there with him and that's why he got that pass interference. But um, there was just so much lack of communication in that back part of the defense last year. And I think that, you know, a season off season, everybody's getting back to full health you know you got new coaches you got new cornerbacks coach you got your defensive coordinator i think i think every level of this defense is going to be better yeah i definitely i definitely see that coming and especially with the secondary as you mentioned um this cornerback core especially when denard when not denard when kirkpatrick is healthy is definitely better no matter how well he's playing he just bothers people with his length and as for the um safeties i think that's where the uh impact of jesse bates is going to be felt because we've seen that um we're, we're, we're starting two strong safeties right now george iloka and sean williams so adding a guy who's one of the purest free free safeties in the draft in jesse bates i think is really going to help unlock that um unlock the positional issues we've had in the secondary, and especially if you want to play a three safety set, as I'm hoping Terrell Austin is going to do, I think that's going to make a huge impact on the secondary. Yeah, I think I think that allowing Jesse Bates to kind of roam the top, I think that's going to allow more playmaking opportunities. I think that, you know, like I said with Kirkpatrick, I think that the injuries slowed him down. He was not able to keep up like he normally does with some of those receivers, and I think that that will change this year. Um, but I think that getting after the passer more, I mean, we had 41 sacks last year. I think it was tied for 11th. You know, that's not that's not by any means bad. I no. think we reached top 10 this year, and even if you're not getting those sacks, you're, but you're getting those pressures. You're forcing the quarterback to throw before he wants to or to move outside the pocket. I think there's a lot more opportunities to ha- to turn the ball over. You know, this team only had 14 turnovers last year. That's awful. And yeah. if, if it's going to take a step forward, it's going to have to be forcing turnovers. And I think if you're getting after the quarterback, if you're constantly in his face, you're going to see more of that. And with Kirkpatrick healthy, I think that's absolutely what you're going to see. Yeah, definitely. I think the, I think you're exactly right that the combination of this pass rush getting a little bit deeper, this secondary getting a little bit better and a little bit healthier, that the combination of those two things is going to make, is going to, I think, improve our turnover rate because 
we can't get worse than 14, honestly, with the amount of talent we have on this team. And also something we mentioned last week, the schedule we're playing next year is pretty weak. So if we're playing these weak teams with these sub-elite quarterbacks, we're not going to have any issues getting to them, forcing them into bad decisions, forcing them to make bad throws into this should-be-improved secondary. And this defense should be able to take another step forward. Pulling up the the teams, the offenses that we would we should look at really. Um, the teams that you know we'll go we'll go through here and look at the opponents for next year. You got the Colts. Depending on if Andrew Luck and even if Andrew Luck is healthy, you know, first game back in a real game, I don't see too much of a threat. I think no. the Ravens are going to be better this year. I think Flacco's got a huge chip on his shoulder. You know, after a terrible year last year, but. In his defense, while I do think he's just an average quarterback, he has had nobody to throw to. Who do you, who do you have last year? Like Mike Wallace and Mike Wallace Jeremy Macklin. Like, who has that guy had to throw to? And they've gone out and got receivers, gotten tight ends for him, and now he's got a young quarterback sitting behind him. He's gonna he's gonna be thrown with something to prove next year. Then you have yeah. the Carolina Panthers. That's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, uh, although Cam Newton notoriously. Um, Turns the ball over quite a bit, so. Yes, that's true. So hopefully we'll get at least three interceptions there. That'd be I'll that'd say be about fantastic. two of those for Kirkpatrick. Yes, you can tweet <laughs> your hate stuff at me. Um, you got the Falcons the following week. Um, I can't remember. I think they brought in that like top receiver in this year's draft to. Yeah, Calvin Ridley. Jones. Yeah, there you go. They'll they'll be they'll be dangerous, but. Yeah, if they can get a better offense going with without their offensive coordinator in Shanahan yeah. there last year is very bland. Um, I'd be thinking that the, in the, in the second year, they will be a little bit better, a little more adjusted. You would uh, hope so. At the, at the same time, they're going to be a difficult opponent no matter what. Agreed. Then you got the dolphins who no one cares about. You follow that up with the Steelers, which is going to be right the again. first, uh, I would say real look at the new rule with the lowering the helmet and how many penalties you can have in a game between those two. Yeah, uh, then, you, then you have the Chiefs, which is a very interesting one because it all depends on Patrick Mahomes. If Patrick Mahomes can be even average, that offense is just absolutely stacked, and I think that it could be probably the best offense that the Bengals face next year. You got weapons. You know, Cream Hunt led the league in rushing yards last year. You got Travis Kelsey. You got Tyreek Hill. And now you add in Sammy Watkins. I mean, like I said, if, if Mahomes is even average next year, it's going to be absolutely insane. Um, then you have the Buccaneers. Jameis Winston will give Kirkpatrick another two interceptions. Yep. Um, then you have your bye week followed up with the Saints. I love having a bye week right before the Saints. Really? Because that is definitely a team you want an extra week That's to true. look That's at. True. Then you got the Ravens again. You got the Browns. You get your first look at Tyrod Taylor or Baker or, Mayfield. Yeah, which. say at that I point, probably Baker, as, uh, as sad as that makes me as right. a Tyrone they, fan. They, they've definitely got some weapons. you got Josh Gordon with finally some um, help on the other side with Jarvis Landry. Then you got the Broncos with Case Keenum. Um, Manageable. I, I still don't know what to think about that because while the Broncos have some good receivers, they still don't have a run game, and their offensive line is god-awful. 
Yeah. They're, and they're going to be reliant on their defense again. Yeah, and Case Keenum, honestly, is probably a product of the Minnesota system. Oh, I yes. think he's going to flounder Absolutely. a little bit next year. And I mentioned that in the article uh, that I put out on Friday with about Logan Woodside, so you'll have to go check that out. If you guys want yeah. more on that, because I'm not going to go over all that right now. But then you got the Chargers, who definitely have the possibility of being a very strong offense. You got the Raiders, who I think are overrated, and John Gruden is running that team into the ground with a bunch of thirty-year-olds. Yep. And you got the Browns again, and then the Steelers again. So you you have some very high-volume offenses with the the Saints, possibly the Falcons and Panthers. The Ravens definitely could look better, and you know, we know what the Steelers are. And then you got the Chiefs. So yeah. there's there's definitely some reasons to kind of clinch a little bit or to be a little worried. But with all the changes they've made, I just cannot see this this defense being any worse than last year. I definitely think that they increase the turnovers. And if they can even do what they did last year with a somewhat improved offense, game changer. Yeah, absolutely. I think looking at these teams, obviously you got some of the most dangerous offenses in the NFL that we're going to be facing. But at the same time, nobody – like. No number one receiver terrifies me now that William Jackson has seemingly established himself as an elite corner. And then with the pass rush we have, I mean, I don't care how good your offensive line is. There's only so many seconds you're going to be able to hold off Carlos Dunlap and Carl Awesome and Geno Atkins. So, so how many sacks do you think they have in 2018? They had 41 last year. 41 last year. Oh. <sighs> I'd want to say more, just honestly, with um, with what I think Terrell Austin's going to bring. Probably not that many more, just because you still have the same three major sack contributors. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody should be tossing in more than two or three other than Atkins, Dunlap, and Lawson. But I like what this team has added, adding, adding that depth. I'd be surprised if we didn't hit at least 41. I'm going to go with 45. 45? And then a ton more pressures. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's I think, the, I think right the pressures is what's going to significantly increase. Um, but, yeah, I, I think what, you know, like we like we said before, I think we, if you're getting after the quarterback, we're going to have plenty of opportunities to make plays. And I don't, I don't really see, you know, we've seen William Jackson shut down Antonio Brown when he mm-hmm. was covering him. Um Maybe that maybe it's a thing that they need to have him shadow the top receivers. I think that's honestly the move for next year. So, because William Jackson, I think, has the ability to be that Patrick Peterson, Jalen Ramsey, number one shutdown corner. And if you're doing that, you're putting William Jackson out there, maybe help out a little bit with the safety. Then you allow Drake Kirkpatrick to focus on a number two receiver. And if Drake Kirkpatrick is locked in on number two receiver, he can lock that guy down. He struggles a little bit with some of the more elite wide receivers in the league, but he's long, athletic, talented enough himself to really keep those second-level guys getting away. And then you have Denard manning the slot. We're locking down pass catchers all season, I think. I want to see Kirkpatrick in more press man coverage. I'm yeah. tired of watching him be 5, 10 yards off his man. Because, you know, you look at, like you said, that tall, lengthy, strong... That's what he is, yeah. That's what he should be doing is on his guy at the line and forcing him off of his route and off of their timing. I think that's where he's going to succeed, not five, ten yards off the ball. Um, 
So if to wrap it up, what would you say your hot take for the defense is then? We did one for the offense. What's your defensive hot take? So I don't think I'm going to give you two half hot takes because I don't think either of these things are too unexpected. Um, first thing is I think William Jackson the third is going to lead the NFL in corners in PFF grade next year. Okay. I think with the with the fairly easy schedule, obviously he's going to have to go against Antonio Brown twice, Julio Jones once, a couple other guys. I still think he's going to be able to shut guys down next year. He's going to make a ridiculously big impact on this secondary next year. He's going to really establish himself as one of the elite cornerbacks in the NFL. But obviously, he basically led the NFL in PFF last year, so that isn't too much of a stretch to say that. Uh, my other half hot take is that Geno Atkins will lead the team in sacks, but not only that following this year when he goes into unrestricted free agency he's going to reset the defensive tackle market for the amount of money he's getting. Fletcher Cox on the Eagles last year signed a six year $103 million contract that's a little over $17 million a year. I think Geno Atkins is going to make $18 million a year next year. That's very interesting especially considering he's going to be 30 years old and Cox was like 26. But his production has not slowed down, so I could definitely not see him getting a and big production. He, he production doesn't there. get injured is the thing. He had mm-hmm. the one AC, the one free base yell there, but he's been ridiculously consistent, ridiculously disruptive on all three downs. You don't have to pay him for the six years because obviously that 36-year-old season, he's not going to be effective, but I could see them paying maybe four, four for 80. You're paying him $20 million a year for that short-term elite production. Especially if you keep Andy Dalton on that sixteen million a year contract. Yeah, we're gonna have so much cap space. I wrote I just wrote about this for Atkins that following next season we're gonna have a ton of cap space and that's even with Dalton on on the books. I see no reason why we can't make him a super competitive offer, something that makes him have to stay in Cincinnati. I gotta say my mine once again, and it's kinda going along with everything I've said in this podcast, but my my take is that I think Kirkpatrick walks away with at least four interceptions, and then he has also a career best in pass deflections. I think his career best is, uh, I want to say 16. I think he has close okay. to 20 this year. I, 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 I think that he has a huge turnaround. I definitely agree with that. And something I think you brought up a little bit earlier with Kirkpatrick is Kirkpatrick should be seeing the majority of the balls thrown his way just because William Jackson's going to be locking down guys. Denard's going to be in the slot. So you're going to have to throw to somebody. And Kirkpatrick's going to rebound next year. And if he's seeing a decent amount of targets thrown his way, he's going to get a lot of picks. Not only that, but more pressure on the quarterback, he's going to get even more opportunities for those picks. Exactly. And I, yeah, I think four is conservative for him, honestly. I'd go higher. I think so, too. I just, I don't know. I didn't want to go too high. No, yeah, that's I, fair. I was thinking more like five, but I think four yeah. with, you know, around 20 pass deflections, that's an absolutely solid year. And I'd definitely be happy with that. Yeah, that's what we're paying him for. I agree. And you're not even paying him you know, top cornerback money. Most most of the top cornerbacks are making around $15 million a year. That's what a lot of people that hate Kirkpatrick and always bring up the money, like, yeah, I get it. He's making yeah. $9 million a year, but in next year he'll make $11 million. But these top cornerbacks are making 15 yeah, It's good money, but we're not – if he's giving we us that production, that production, we're not overpaying him. Yes, completely agree. 
All right, that's all we got for you guys today. Thanks again for coming on with me. We're definitely going to get you on more often. Uh, definitely go over to stripehop.com. Check out our articles. we got a lot of good stuff. I've even got an article coming up on why Kirkpatrick is going to be better this year. So definitely check that out. And we will talk to you guys next time. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Stripe Pipe Podcast. Make sure that you hit that subscribe button and leave a rating or review. Let us know what you guys want to hear, what you guys think about the podcast, and what we can improve on. You can always find us at NFL, or you can find us through the websites, uh, Facebook and Twitter, at Stripe Pipe. Or you can email me, especially if you want to yell at me for all the Drake Kirkpatrick comments I made in this podcast, at NFL at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time.